Hello, I'm Rachel Renee, and welcome back to another episode of Baby and the Geek. Just to catch you up, if you're new here, last episode we talked about my first trimester experiences and what some of the first appointments were like. Then I broke down some of the first tests and screenings that you may get in your first trimester, and I ended with a few tips for getting through your first three months of pregnancy. Please be sure to check it out if you haven't. If you are here for just basic info, uh, just to let you know, I create chapter markers so you can just skip past all of my fluff <laughs> just to make it easier on you to find the information you're looking for. This episode is going to be a bit different than the last. Let's talk about me and more talk about food. <laughs> what pregnant lady doesn't want to talk about that? Well, I take that back. You may not want to if you're in your first trimester but I can guarantee you that that will change very soon. Keep in mind, I say this every single time, I'm not a healthcare professional, I have not studied nutrition, and I'm only speaking from my own experiences and going by what I've been told by my own doctors and from what I've learned from my own research. Please don't replace what your doctor has told you with what I've said or use this information in place of a doctor. Okay, so the hard stuff's out of the way. But the question is, where should we begin? I think a good starting point to get it out of the way is to talk about all the things that we shouldn't eat while we're pregnant. Then we can talk about all the good, yummy, scrumptious things. Sound good? <laughs> okay, so I have before me a list of things that are generally things that are either bad for you in pregnancy or should be limited during pregnancy. This is a very common list. You can find this list in any of the books, any of the web pages you you look at during a Google search. Your doctor should tell you these things as well. A very common list of bad things. Keep in mind there are actually a lot of things out there on the market that say not safe for pregnant women or pregnant women should consult a doctor before having said whatever it is. So be sure to read your labels. If you are unsure, just check with your doctor. Say, hey, you know, is this okay? There's a lot of medications out there specifically unsafe for pregnancy. This is a food list, so we're not really going to cover medications, but just keep that in mind. There are things like medications that are also like food that you should be careful with. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> okay. First one on the list, and this one is very, very common. I'm sure that the majority of women have heard about this one, and that is fish. Big fat sorry to all of you sushi lovers out there, <laughs> pescatarians. Your options are pretty limited in this department. But that's not to say you can't have some fish. But there's a lot of fish either in type or quantity that are off the table. <laughs> <laughs> pun very intended you know there's dad jokes um moms get the jokes too so just to let you know that it's a side effect of pregnancy and having kids i think 
or just being really amazing. It could just be that. <laughs> anyway, the fish that you're not supposed to have at all are the fish that are high in mercury, such as tuna, mackerel, marlin, orange ruffy, swordfish, shark, and tilefish. I have to be honest, though. There's never been a time in my life where I've been to a restaurant and I've heard anyone say, mm, you know, I really think, it, you know, it's between the roughy and the tilefish. <laughs> never in my life. But again, these are the types of fish that are high in mercury. So you want to avoid these completely. And I'll go over mercury in just a minute and why. Um, but I want to go ahead and give you the list of fish that you can have in limited quantities. This list, just so you know, uh, I am getting this list from the Mayo Clinic. So Mayo Clinic, I hope to God you were right, because <laughs> I would hate to give misinformation. So don't come at me. Go at the Mayo Clinic, because this is their list. The fish you can have, but in limited amounts, are anchovies, catfish, cod, herring, light canned tuna, it says. Um, tuna was on the other list of high mercury fish. So yes, they say light canned tuna. But personally, I would just scrap the tuna completely. Pacific oysters, pollock, salmon. I actually had salmon. Uh, I've only had it once while pregnant, but I love that I can still have salmon in limited quantities. Sardines, shad, shrimp, tilapia, and trout. These are all types of fish that you can have in small amounts once to twice a week. Still, please be careful with, with the fish intake. Now, just to give you some information about mercury and its effects on pregnancy, according to a Better Health Channel article from Australia, this is why you should avoid it. Some fish are more subject to methylmercury, which is found in ocean sediment. I would say this occurs naturally, but I'm almost certain it's a, also a problem exacerbated by humans as well. Like all the pollution, all the trash, all the all the stuff that's going into the ocean, mixing with the <laughs> natural occurring mercury, these fish are going to have higher levels. So the level of mercury in the fish depends on their type, size, location, habitat, age, and diet. For example, the longer a shark lives, the more mercury it will have in its body. Now, the reason higher levels of mercury are dangerous is because it's a metal that accumulates in the body over time. And it's eventually expelled, but it can take quite a while for it to go through your system. And therefore, mercury can be passed on to your baby through the placenta. Doctors say it's more dangerous in the third trimester, but it can cause developmental issues in the brain and nervous system. Me personally, I would just stay away from fish. Um, but if you have to have fish, like if it is like your favorite thing, just make sure it's low in mercury and you're limiting how much you're eating. Okay, we're not quite done with the fish. All right, almost, but not quite. That whole list is for the cooked fish. You're going to want to completely avoid the raw or undercooked fish. Not only are you dealing with mercury, but now you're adding a potential risk of bacterial and harmful parasites. And while we're on the raw stuff, we're just going to go ahead and segue into other meats as well. You're going to want to avoid a rare steak, for instance. <laughs> Sorry to all my turf gals out there. We, we did the surf, now we're doing the turf. This one is also off the table. In fact, any meats you have, they need to be cooked all the way through. This obviously includes chicken, but also hot dogs, lunch meat, and eggs. While pregnant, well done should be your only temperature. 
we had burgers the other day and it sucks that I have to have a well-done burger because I love medium because it's much more juicy. The more you cook it, the drier it is. I would much rather be safe now, sacrifice for nine months, than be sorry later. Now, also in that meat category, you're also going to want to avoid refrigerated pâtés and meat spreads. They say canned meat is okay, but, I mean, canned meat, ugh. I don't know, you may like it, and if you do, no judgment, mm, but I'm not a canned meat person. Now, the reason you want to avoid these meats are not only because of potential food poisoning, like if somebody really undercooks it or um, cross-contaminates it, you know, there's salmonella, there's, you know, E. coli, whatever. There's also a bacteria called listeria, and it's very, very dangerous to unborn babies. I'll go into details in a minute, but I want to go back for a second to where I mentioned lunch meat. I was actually really surprised and disappointed when I found out that lunch meat I'm not supposed to have. <laughs> I was like, oh, but I love sub sandwiches. You may say, why not just toast it? And yes, that is technically what you can do. However, there is the concern for getting the meat up to temperature to where there is no risk at all. And for me, again, I'm the type that is like, okay, I have nine months to do this and this needs to be cut. This should probably be cut. I'll deal with it. I can get away with not having sandwiches for this long. Coffee, not one of those things I can get rid of. I mean, not that I want to get rid of, I should say. But, you know, if you're a coffee drinker, you know, you know. Listeria is a foodborne bacterial illness. And according to the Mayo Clinic, adults don't typically become ill from it, but it can cause miscarriage, stillbirth, premature birth, or a potential fatal infection after birth. I don't want to scare you out of eating things that you love, especially if you're going to cook it thoroughly. Like, I don't want you to have in the back of your mind, well, I cook this and I burn it and I'm still scared to eat it. I don't want you to think that. Um, but for me, it took me so long to get here that I just cut sandwich meat and, you know, hams and stuff like that. Just cut it out completely. You know, it's sad because I do, I do love a good, good sandwich. And they're easy to make, especially when you're really hungry. It's, it's so nice to have easy food when you're pregnant. No. <laughs> Now, listeria isn't only found in meats, but also unwashed veggies, unpasteurized milk, and soft cheeses. Yeah, sorry guys. Soft cheeses are also on the list of things to avoid. Brie, feta, and blue cheese are all off the table unless it's pasteurized. Typically, it's safe then, but there's a lot of containers out there that, like, especially if you're shopping in a deli department, like the specialty deli kind of areas and stuff, some of those aren't pasteurized. So just please look for the pasteurized labels. I just avoid it completely unless I know that I've purchased something that is for sure pasteurized. I would also uh, check with restaurants too. If you get something with a soft cheese on it, ask to be sure that it's pasteurized. I would say that most likely it's going to be pasteurized, but you just kind of never know. So double check. For veggies, just be sure to wash them. Um, you are going to want to avoid sprouts though, such as alfalfa, clover, radish, and mung beans. These may also contain disease-causing bacteria. 
So just can't have the sprouts. Boo. <laughs> Let's switch gears slightly to beverages. Um, first one, I'm going to talk about tea first. If you love tea, I'd stick with those labeled for pregnant women because there are some that are a lot more dangerous than others. According to an article from BellyBelly.com, teas to limit are black, green, and chai tea because they have higher levels of caffeine. I'll go a little bit more into caffeine in just a minute, but the ones that you're going to really want to avoid are the St. John's Wort, Dong Kwai, Ginseng, Yarrow, Pennyroyal, Ephedra, and Licorice Root. These have been known to cause uterine contractions and miscarriages. So be careful with your tea. Okay, uh, moving on to <laughs> one I don't want to talk about, and that is coffee. Good news, coffee isn't completely on the chopping block. You can actually have up to 200 milligrams of caffeine each day, which is equivalent to one and a half eight-ounce cups of coffee or one 12-ounce cup. And this goes for caffeinated soda, too. Now, real quick, when I say coffee, I'm talking about just the regular coffee. I'm not talking about espressos. I'm not talking about, you know, huge Starbucks cups of coffee. And I know that I, I mentioned ounces and milligrams of caffeine, but just keep in mind that some of your coffee drinks have different levels of caffeine in that particular type of coffee. Just because you're like, oh, I'm just having one little cup of coffee. <laughs> Make sure it's not like an Americano or something like that. Just, you know, the stuff that you brew at home. <laughs> you know, don't drink Death Wish coffee, which is like high octane caffeine coffee and think it's going to be okay. You're going to get a huge caffeine spike. So just saying. The thing you need to keep in mind is whenever you're drinking something with caffeine, tea, coffee, soda, you need to take into account all of the caffeine that you drink in a day. You don't get 200 milligrams of each type, okay? <laughs> Let me be clear on that. You get 200 milligrams of caffeine. So I have a huge weakness for coffee. And it's not only for the caffeine, but it's more of a comfort thing. So. Here's what I did. I have one cup of coffee in the morning. The rest of the day, it's mostly water, like a crap ton of water, milk, juice, or caffeine-free soda, which that's actually pretty rare. I drink <laughs> so much water that I really don't have time to drink anything else, but I do give myself that one treat every day. In terms of caffeine, I know that pregnancy is a drain. A huge drain on the body. And sometimes, to be honest, my single little cup of coffee in the morning wears off by the afternoon and I am so tired. And there's not a lot of options out there for like caffeine or energy boosts. You're not going to like what I'm about to say. <laughs> so, but. Other than eating foods that can give you natural boosts of energy, you need to also avoid energy drinks. Not only are they extremely high in caffeine, but a lot of them also have other ingredients that can be potentially dangerous during pregnancy. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> you just have to suffer. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks. I feel your pain. I feel you. I feel you. 
energy drinks aren't okay during pregnancy. I love you. I love you. (laughs) All right. We have one more beverage that is on the avoid list, and that's alcohol. Okay. I've said it. This is a really kind of, in a way, hard one to talk about. I've heard from a couple sources that the occasional glass of wine is okay to have during pregnancy. However, in my humble, medically uneducated opinion, I agree with the Mayo Clinic and many other sources on the internet that no amount of alcohol is safe during pregnancy. Some of the effects of alcohol are miscarriage, heart defects, premature birth, which can come with a whole slew of problems just by itself. And finally, the worst, in my opinion, is fetal alcohol syndrome, which can cause facial deformities and intellectual disabilities. And from what I can tell, doctors have not determined any safe level that would prevent fetal alcohol syndrome from happening. And it's permanent. I've personally seen the effects of fetal alcohol syndrome, and it's just, it's not worth it, in my opinion. I will say, though, uh, because I don't want to sound judgmental. I know that there are those out there that really struggle with avoiding alcohol. I just encourage you to seek help if you struggle with that. Try to address the situation before you become pregnant. And just remember that it's only for nine months. You may even find that it's a pathway to sobriety. So there you go. Also, if you found out you're pregnant later on like I did, and maybe you went out partying one night, got really, really wasted, don't panic. Most likely, everything is fine. Just, you know, avoid it from here on. And that's all you can do. There's no need to guilt trip yourself over it if, you know, if you didn't know. So, um, there is one last thing I do want to cover on the avoid limit list, and that's sugary foods and beverages, like the sugar part of that. I'm not good at this one lately. This one has been very difficult since Halloween. Yeah, there's been a lot of nice, yummy, sweet things like chocolate and cookies and brownies and cake. (laughs) Try my best. Not very good at it. Um, But sugar in itself in small amounts isn't a bad thing, um, especially natural sugars. However, you shouldn't eat whole rows of Oreos by yourself on the regular. That is something you shouldn't do. Not only can it cause you to gain more weight than what is prescribed during pregnancy, but it can affect your blood sugar levels. And if you're one of the ones that end up getting gestational diabetes, you'll need to keep your sugar levels in check. Now, let me say this. Gestational diabetes is caused by elevated hormone levels, not your diet. So I've read this in multiple places. If you get gestational diabetes, don't think you did something wrong, okay? It's your hormones reducing the effectiveness of how your body produces insulin. The other thing about sugary foods is it can also affect your oral health. It's hard enough keeping bloody gums and pregnancy-related gingivitis in check. Just try to avoid the sugar as much as possible. So, yay! (laughs) We got through the bad list. Woohoo! Okay. Let's go on to foods you should eat during pregnancy. There's a lot out there, so I'm not going to be able to list everything. However, I am going to list some great foods to eat and some of their benefits. When you're choosing foods to eat during pregnancy, you want to keep in mind all the different types of nutrients you need. 
According to an article on whattoexpect.com, they are folic acid, iron, calcium, vitamin D, DHA, which is omega-3 fatty acids, iodine, um, and you also need fiber. Fiber is super important. Potassium is super important. All the vitamins are super important. (laughs) Vitamin Bs, Cs, Ks, As. As far as their recommended food list, it's very general and more category-based, and so are many others that I found. So what I would rather do is give you a list with more specific foods to eat. I'm going to start with my favorite, avocado. I used to hate avocado until I moved to California, and they put avocado on everything out there, and I really learned to just love it. Avocados are great in general, and regardless of whether you're pregnant or not, they're a great nutrient-dense food. They contain all the good fats, but also fiber, B vitamins, vitamin K, potassium, copper, vitamin E, and vitamin C. According to Healthline, healthy fats help build the brain, skin, and tissues of your baby, and the folate, which is a B vitamin, may help prevent neural tube defects and developmental abnormalities of the brain and spine, such as spina bifida. The potassium, which is more than you'd get in a banana, can possibly help with leg cramps. And by the way, those are hell. <laughs> Straight hell. Um, I'll be sure in a later episode to tell you about my leg cramp story. Okay, next is another favorite of mine, chickpeas. Chickpeas, or garbanzo beans, are in the legume family, and there are lots of legumes, legumes, (laughs) also known as beans, or peas, I guess, peas, beans, yes, uh, that are good for you. The cool thing are beans contain protein, beans and peas, so if you are a vegetarian, you're probably already eating beans and peas and things like that to supplement your protein, but it's I'm just saying it's also a great source of protein, you know, just in general. But back to chickpeas specifically, they are another good source of nutrients like potassium, folate, fiber, calcium, and the protein. (laughs) We've covered that. According to momjunction.com, chickpeas may help prevent birth defects because of the folate, help manage gestational diabetes, The fiber may help prevent the risk of asthma in your baby as well as help constipation and potentially reduce the risk of anemia because of the iron. Now, you're obviously not going to want to eat chickpeas if you're allergic to legumes. That was one thing that they mentioned. (laughs) Um, But they can also be a gassier food. So don't go crazy with those unless you want to torture yourself and others around you. Quick side note. I should have added this to the list of foods to avoid. But don't eat hummus while pregnant if it contains tahini. Tahini is a paste made from sesame seeds, and it's in a lot of Mediterranean dishes. But it can also contain listeria, like many of the other things we listed in the avoid list. Tahini is a main ingredient of hummus, by the way. So it's in most packaged and restaurant-made hummus. But you can make it yourself at home without tahini, and it's a great healthy snack. Roasting chickpeas is also another great way to eat them, and that's my favorite, with some cauliflower. Mm, So good. All right, moving on. Eggs. (laughs) Not only are eggs filled with nutrients, but they are also a great source of choline. Choline is vital in brain and spine development, 
And according to Healthline, one egg contains roughly 147 milligrams of choline. The recommended dose of choline is 450 milligrams a day. So adding a couple of eggs to your diet will help you reach that goal faster. The great thing about eggs is that they are extremely versatile. You can have them boiled, fried, scrambled. Uh, You can have an omelet. You can make a quiche. You can put them in a salad. There's so many ways you can enjoy eggs. Just again, back to the avoid list. Be sure to cook them all the way through. All right. Next is yogurt. Yogurt makes a great snack and it's full of calcium. You're going to need roughly at least a thousand milligrams of calcium a day while you're pregnant. And if you're not getting enough calcium, guess what happens? Baby is going to take it from you. (laughs) Selfish little buggers. But for real, it's super duper important to get enough for their development and maintain your own reserves of calcium. According to Healthline, the great thing about yogurt over milk is if you're lactose intolerant, you may be able to tolerate yogurt, especially the probiotic versions. And speaking of the probiotic types, these are going to help you keep your gut in check. So, plus plus. While it's not as versatile as eggs, you can add fruit to your yogurt to get a double helping of nutrition, and you can add it to smoothies. So, whoop whoop. Sweet potatoes are next. I definitely don't get enough sweet potatoes in my life. And it's not for the lack of liking them. I just kind of forget that they exist. (laughs) Like when I'm at the grocery store. I don't know why. But they are a great source of vitamin A. And according to babycenter.com, vitamin A is important for your baby's heart, lung, kidney, eye, bone, circulatory, respiratory, and central nervous system development. It helps with a lot. They also claim that if you have more vitamin A in the last trimester of pregnancy, it can possibly help with postpartum tissue repair. So uh, that's definitely a plus. (laughs) All right. Next on the list is salmon. What? Wasn't that on the bad list? Yeah, it was. (laughs) But in appropriate quantities, as I mentioned, it's good for you and your baby's development too. Not only is the salmon lower in mercury, so you can enjoy fish and you have to worry less, but it's high in omega-3 fatty acids, which is good for brain development. And it's also a natural source, one of the only ones I read, for vitamin D. Vitamin D is essential for bone, teeth, kidney, heart, and nervous system development. All right, oatmeal. (laughs) Oh, how I have loved oatmeal during pregnancy. Oatmeal is full of vitamins, fiber, and complex carbs, which are great for maintaining your energy levels. But oats contain folic acid, iron, and calcium too. If you're not a huge fan of oatmeal, I get that. It's definitely on the boring side of things. But hear me out. It's not only easy to make, but you can put syrup, honey, berries, and or nuts into it. And there's also prepackaged flavors too. So if you just don't have time for all the jazz or the money to buy a bunch of these organic fruits and things like that, just grab you the flavor packets and that's fine. Oatmeal is also very filling, and it can definitely help when you're feeling queasy. There were a couple times where um, I found out it's due to taking vitamins on an empty stomach, but if I followed them up immediately with a bowl of oatmeal, that just like wiped out my nausea almost immediately. So yeah, oatmeal. The last thing I'm going to cover for time's sake are the dark greens, such as broccoli or spinach. They contain so much fiber and lots of vitamins such as C, K, and A. They also have calcium, folate, iron, and potassium. 
We've covered most of the benefits of those already in terms of nutrients with other good foods on this list. So I'm not going to break those down again. But I do want to say this. If you are not a fan of greens, there is an alternative to eating them just straight. If you check out your nutrition aisle of the grocery or vitamin store, there's this lovely little powder that you can get that contains all the greens you need. And you may say that sounds horrible, but it's not. It's actually pretty good. I personally wouldn't recommend just adding it to water. It is probably not that great if you do it that way, but you can add it to smoothies. So you get your fruits and your vegetables together. Very good idea. You'd think it would, but it really doesn't even change the flavor of your smoothies that much. Uh, Not in a negative way, at least. However, it will turn a pretty yellow smoothie into a very gross, green-colored, slimy-looking smoothie. If you can get past the color, you'll be good. Now, before we end this episode, I want to talk about one more thing. The yummy. And what do I mean? Pregnancy cravings. Cravings are weird, and they are going to change throughout your pregnancy. According to an article by Good2.com, they can be caused by hormonal changes, a heightened sense of taste and smell, but they may also be caused by nutritional deficiencies, which does make a whole lot of sense to me. For instance, if you crave fruit, you may be needing more vitamin C. Chocolate, you may be lacking B vitamins. Ice cream cravings could mean your body needs more calcium. Also, during pregnancy, you tend to run a lot hotter. It could be your body's way of wanting to cool down your core body temperature. The notorious pickle cravings. It may be that you need more salt. I'm not going to break down every single craving, and there are some weird ones like dirt, but I just want to point out that if you're craving something, don't feel guilty and don't ignore it unless it's the dirt. Please don't go out and eat dirt. Um, That's pica, and you should talk to your doctor about that. Um, But generally, the food cravings. It's just your body's way of saying it needs something. And if you are craving something really, really weird, let your doctor know so they can find out what that is that you're deficient in. Well, that is it for this episode. It wasn't a very geeky one unless you are geeky for nutrition. (laughs) So, uh, but don't worry, we will get into the more geeky kind of stuff. Um, I just want to get some general information out of the way first, things that could be helpful to you as you begin your pregnancy journey. Next episode, I'd like to continue with a little more story and some general information about body changes and baby growth within the first trimester. I'm Rachel Renee, and thanks for joining me on Baby and the Geek. Until next time, keep it geeky, mama. Baby and the Geek is produced by Sound Maiden. If you'd like to share your geeky mama's stories, ideas, and advice with us, please reach out to us at soundmaiden.media at gmail.com. Like, share, and listen anywhere you get your podcasts. 